Beautiful. Here we are today with, um, I don't know, I think this is the fifth episode of the Lily of the Herbs podcast. Today I've got Taj, the Permapixie, all the way from Melbourne. And yeah, we've worked together a bit over the years, but I'm just constantly in awe of Taj, just the material that she comes up with and her depth and passion for working with the plants and making it accessible and teaching others is just a gift to this earth. Hey, Taj. I thank you. That's so lovely of you to say. That's yeah, right. I've been inspired with you since, you know, inspired by you forever. And that's pretty much why I'm doing this podcast is because of people like you, because I just, I just want to talk to you. And <laughs> <laughs> I love, that's great. Yeah, it is nice to be kind of like, you recognize sometimes that you've been uh, kind of working for so long and, and and trying for so long to to know that you're actually having an impact on people positively. That's what makes me want to keep going constantly. Mm-mm. And and it feels like your journey evolves. Like when I first met Taj, she was running a permaculture design kind of evening to connect the community in Melbourne, like at Ceres. And she was really tying in her social permaculture and this idea of connecting community and working in that area. And then I knew she went deep into like forest garden design and she does so much work in Melbourne doing permaculture design for people and then the herbal roots just started to really shine and I feel like they've just Mm. been coming on strong over the last couple of years um I see you've got like you run at markets you've got your own range of products now you're running on now that because of COVID you're doing herbal talks and pod like webinars free webinars it's just like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and you're studying as well you're going to be actually taking doing consultations eventually will you yeah yeah I will be so I'm studying to be a clinician at the moment um uh I'm studying to be a clinician because that's all that's offered to be honest um and I I do want to get to know more of the people aspects I feel like I know plants quite deeply and not that I know everything because you can never know everything so I'll, I'll cons- constantly be learning about them but the people side of things I want to get to know more in depth but as I've been studying in my bachelor's which I'll complete next year um, I've kind of realized because I'm studying quite a few courses on the side as well I study like quite a few things online and I study a phytochemistry course online and I realized that what I really am interested in is the constituents of plants and how they work with the physiology of the body and then so how to design medicines like I love designing kind of medicines and making them work synergistically and like, you know, making the, the kind of like plants work together with formulation and things like that. And that's what I really love doing, but I would love to start to see the effects that those have on people. So yeah, I'm starting to be a clinician, not because I think that you really need a bit of paper to tell people that you're a herbalist, but because I want to be a better educator. So I feel like I can be a better educator by just doing as much learning and study as I possibly can. And then if I disagree with the system, then I know I really disagree with it because I've been in it. Fuck yeah, that's beautiful. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, you've got to get, you can't beat them, join them. Like it's totally, I think it's really, really powerful to have that experience. And it sounds like you actually, I know you were doing your degree and then took quite a bit of time off to develop Mm. your own path before coming back to it. Yeah, I I started I started uh, studying naturopathy actually like pretty much when I was fresh out of high school and I, I wanted to I knew I wanted to work with plants and I knew like I was really intrigued in in herbalism and always had been but then 
when I started studying, I realized that we didn't ever really have a relationship with plants. Mm. It was like, it was all completely academic. And like, I love academia, I love learning, but I just realized like, that's not the kind of herbalist I wanna be. Like I wanted to touch plants, that's why I was there. So then I left and then I started studying permaculture and then I did like 10, 12 years of permaculture. Uh, before kind of coming back around to do my studies. And in that time, we're still self-studying herbalism as well. But herbalism comes from like a grassroots level to try and like get my hands dirty and get to know the plants. So for a while, I've had this kind of like, almost like this, not this rule, but this guideline with myself where I don't want to learn about a plant until I can forage it or grow it or at least touch it and see it. I won't really look in, in books and, and learn about something until I can see it, feel the plant and know what it's telling me. Amazing, that's powerful. And that's not something that you necessarily get within your degree, hey? Um, and that's what you had to go and learn. And maybe that fits in with kind of like the, the, the title of this whole podcast is like why we need a herbal revolution is because we need people out there who are actually doing that work and almost being a voice for the plants and like being saying like, Hey, like <laughs> let's connect and know where this comes from. Mm. Do you feel like that's part of your work, your mission? Yeah, I do. Like my mission, like what I, what I really love doing is I love teaching. That's my, that's my favorite thing. I love facilitation. I love working with people. Um, and I love, um, I just love passing on the spark of excitement that ignites in me when I work with plants. So my mission is really to help people to work with plants, to learn from plants, to like, to garden with them. And also like, yeah, learn about herbalism from that perspective, from also from the perspective of permaculture, thinking in like systems thinking and thinking as an ecology and really taking those things into consideration in um, planting medicinal gardens and using the herbs. Mm. Do you feel, how long-term does your vision go? Like, that's pretty big. Do you um, ever feel like you want to revolutionise the school system? Like, because you run a lot of workshops. Is that a long-term plan? Could you tell us if that's in the back of your mind ever? Revolutionising the school system? Well, even yeah. like, yeah, like, like how the Western Herbal Medicine Bachelor or the naturopathy one, like having a, a section in there about connecting yeah. with the plants. I do have a bit of a long-term plan, uh, depending on how things go. One of the one of the reasons why I'm doing my bachelor is so that hopefully I can complete a PhD and then I can become a lecturer. I would love yes. to be a lecturer, and I think that I could hopefully weasel my way into a few things in there. Um, I would like to change, yes, change some of the system. But to be honest, like I've worked within like the accredited permaculture um, association as well, and um, they, the amount of red tape and bureaucracy around accredited learning is mm. so huge and it's so draining and it's so massive to like make the smallest of changes to systems like that sometimes. So sometimes I, um, that's why I like to do my, my grassroots workshops that I make um, and I can kind of create. But still, one of the reasons why I'd like to be a lecturer in the long run is because that can be kind of limiting to base learning. And I feel like eventually I'm going to want to teach like some more advanced herbalism stuff as well. So and that's where kind of a university level would come in. So 
yeah, in the long run, I would really like to do something like that. Mm, cool, cool. Would you call yourself an activist in doing that? Like in in the many ways that you interact and gift your skills and knowledge? Yeah, yeah, I, I actually would. Like I've been an activist for a long time. I used to be, ang- I used to be really, really angry. And that's where a lot of my activism would come from was when I was a teenager and I realized that everything that I loved about the world was being compromised by greed and by, um, by corporations and companies that really didn't give a shit about the things that a lot of us hold dear and a lot of ecological systems. And I was just filled with rage, to be honest. I didn't, and I didn't really know what to do with it until I did a permaculture design course. And that helped me learn how to channel my activism into a, trying to, to make a positive solution. And so that's what I'm kind of trying to do with a lot of my work is go, okay, well, we've still got to live in this world. We've still got to try and enjoy the things that we have. And maybe we can try and enjoy the things that we have whilst making a change at the same time. Mm, that's beautiful. That reminds me of that, like, think global, act local. That feels to be one of the ethoses of permaculture in a sense. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah and, and, and coming from a place of, like, what can we do? in this light do you, it, it, it feels to me it feels like there's even more restrictions and it feels actually since maybe you started and were back when you were feeling angry I actually feel that right now is we're we're going through a really big shift and corporations or greed to me it feels like there's this paradox like they feel to be getting stronger would you how do you feel about that do you like when you hear about things like vaccination or those kinds of things we don't have to go too deeply into this but what do you think i reckon we'll start kind of see a pushback like right now we're like right now we're in such an incredible like crossroads almost i feel you know we've been like the we've been advocating for climate change for so long and for changes to be made and then kind of like, you know, it was like almost overnight, the whole world stopped and for, for a different kind of reason. And right now we're on this edge, we're on this ecotone of like bubbling kind of possibility of being like, okay, so where's it going to go? And of course, we're going to see a lot of like corporations and, you know, we live in a capitalist kind of paradigm. We're going to see a lot of like pushback because like you know a lot of people will be freaking out about the economy right now and like Mm. how we'll be going into recession and things like that and um yeah it's going to be really interesting to see how things go because we have the opportunity now to put changes in place that might actually um you know make positive kind of changes for ecology ecological systems and for for our environmental systems and for us but it's going to probably take some time and we're probably going to feel those pushbacks quite a lot while Mm. things change if they hopefully do yeah what do you think are some what would you think some of those changes that we could start pushing towards or moving towards what you'd like to see i would like to see so (laughs) i'd like to see so okay so one of the main changes that i think like on an individual level would really really help everything is everyone to reset their own pace of living instead of trying to live by capitalism's bullshit productivity you're not going to be valuable or worthy of anything if you don't keep up kind of pace Mm. and i think that that 
you know, most of what I learn about in my degree is, if, if it's anything, I'm learning that stress is killing people. It's, mm. it's killing people literally. And it's like, it's really sad to see. And I think that the more that I'm seeing people at this time, I've seen people go, wow, this actually feels really nice. I've had time to play guitar. I've had time to work on my creative self, or I've been like sleeping lots and resting. And like, oh, so many people actually responding well to having this time off. And so one of the main changes that I would love to see is people reset their own pace instead of going back to one that's been set for them. Mm. And another one, I guess, is also like with what you were saying before with like my work and kind of activism and things like that. It's like, it's just what I advocate for with my herbal medicine work. I would like to see changes in uh, providing for ourselves more locally. And so I see that happening with food systems a lot. And I think that it could happen a lot more with food systems. A lot of people are starting to grow their own vegetables and things like that right now. And I think that's great. I'm like, okay, we're going to go back to the way that our like grandparents and great grandparents kind of were. Everyone had a vegetable garden. Everyone should have that kind of security. But also one of the things that I really advocate and one of the reasons why I think we need a herbal revolution is because all of our medicines are grown overseas. The pharmaceutical industry is huge. It's a billion, it's, a, it's, a, it's a billions and billions of dollars, that industry. And I don't actually think that they, a lot of pharmaceutical companies have our best interests in mind. A lot of the time, I think they're, they're, they're designed to keep you just well enough that you need their drug continuously. And I feel like with our herbs as well, like so most of those pharmaceuticals actually come from plants and those plants are grown abroad a lot of the time and then synthesized in certain labs. So the embodied energy in pharmaceuticals is huge. And then it goes so far as our herbal medicines as well. So we might be practicing herbal medicines, but loads of naturopaths and loads of herbalists that have dispensaries, most of the herbs in their dispensaries come from China and Egypt and, and South America. And, you know, all of these different places, there's a lot of embodied energy in that. And mm. a lot of it is really unsustainable, unregenerative herbal practice. So I really want to advocate for a herbal revolution to be more localized. Yeah, I like that. It's a good term, embodied energy, hey? Like if that energy is embodied right here, right now, like mm. how much how much more as potent is that in terms of people also receiving healing from something yeah. that they've, they've already, they've embodied the energy into the plant and it hasn't yeah, gone to being in a ship maybe, yeah. Yeah, and that reminds me, you know, like of the, you know, of the local relationship that we have with our plants as well. So one of the things that I teach in my workshops is that the the product at the end, so we make we make like uh, medicines, you're not actually supposed to call them medicines, you know, because um, medicines are only for what's been synthesized in a lab. But so our herbal remedies that we, we make in, in classes, I try and really tell people that it's not the product that's the medicine, it's the process the process of making it it's the process of collecting and foraging it it's the process of growing it all of that process of what it's actually teaching you about yourself and that kind of process of healing that you get from all of that is just as important as the products that you get at the end of that does that mm. make sense yeah beautiful so we've got slowing down resting like allowing finding a new pace one that's maybe more in rhythm with what's growing and what the seasons are changing then it's also about 
yeah, having a connection to your medicine. That, that for me feels really important. And that's why I think I was asking you if you were going to become a lecturer because it's just like naturopaths and herbalists in, they're just not taught how to, to grow or to forage. It's just like, this is how to prescribe bottled yeah. herbs. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of, I find that sad because like, then it's like, then there's this separation between us and nature still again, like there's mm -hmm. the, one of them, um, there's a beautiful Gregory Bateson quote, and it's something like, um, one of the main problems with the world is how we, um, we separate how we think from the way that na nature actually works. It's not the exact quote, but it's, it's us constantly separating ourselves from an ecological system, mm. feeling like we, uh, we're, we're using it we're using it to our advantage you know we're we're collecting it we're the masters of of, of this world or something like that not allowing a relationship mm. yeah and I feel that that separation also can bring about fear like I feel mm. like because it's like oh I don't I don't have a relationship therefore I'm kind of I'm also fearful I feel like even the idea of viruses I feel like there's a fear they're actually a natural process in a sense that and, and there's they're out there all the time but i feel like because we're separated from them we actually kind of fear them as this unknown entity yeah. and i feel that there's a fear of plants like i've talked to gps who were like oh i would never like try one of your tinctures i have no idea the strength of that really like mm. do you yeah. think do you feel there's a fear of plants and oh nature? yeah 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 mm. i actually teach a lot of like um a lot of foraging kind of workshops and and, and um and edible wild food and medicine workshops. And there's definitely like this, like uh, this fear of like, oh, I don't know if I should eat that. Like it could kill me. You know, there's this constantly like, and one of the things that I try and do is I try and actually uh, teach people to use their common sense, use their intuition, and also to not fear, but respect nature. Mm. Like, yeah, like there are things that can kill you. Like one of the things like that, really gets me is the kind of the almost the opposite way of thinking which is like oh it's just a herb like what can it really do you know mm -hmm. and it's like well these plants are like some of them are super potent like super powerful like they they deserve respect and that's why we've got to kind of like respect them for their potent medicine respect that they can actually harm and then 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 education comes you know like I don't know I just don't feel like you get much respect when you fear something you know or there's not much learning that happens through fear as well mm, mm. quite depressive when you're trying to learn something like you can't it's just like trying to digest something when you're scared you're in flight or fight you can't digest you can't yeah. digest information either mm. well that fear is interesting like I think I, I feel that I don't think it's like this there's like one, you know, we're talking about pharmaceutical companies and don't think that they're inherently bad, but maybe they don't have the best interests at heart, but it's also maybe not in their best interest for everyone to just like become their own herbalist and to, yeah. to have this knowledge. Like, and we, we also come from a history of witches being burned at the stake. And there is that, there is that, there is this lineage of mistrust there that I wonder, do you think that sort of permeates still? Bit, like to a slight yeah. degree mm. i have uh, not even a slight degree i actually have like a 
I actually have a huge opinion on this and um, and I've been reading a lot more about it at the moment as well, which is funny that you kind of bring it up. Now, like, you know, I'm not against, don't get me wrong, I'm not against pharmaceutical companies or Western medicine. Like I've, uh, you know, uh, uh, someone I know has had like a, a double lung transplant, for example, like he's alive because of Western medicine. Like, you know, your herbs aren't going to grow you two lungs, you mm. know? And so like, I have a massive respect for what Western medicine, um, modern Western medicine can do. And also a lot of pharmaceuticals as well. Like I, I cave for, um, uh, for hay fever pharmaceuticals. I like I cave for that. Like I'm a gardener and every year I can't garden because I, my eyes are way too itchy and, um, and it's really, really hard for me. So, you know, there's certain things that I'll use as well if I really think it's necessary. So it's not that I think that it's inherently evil, but I just feel like a lot of this has been taken out of people's hands. And a lot of people have been taught to trust in someone else for their health rather than trusting in themselves. And yeah, I think that it's, I think a lot of people don't realize that one of the roots and origins that this has is actually witch burnings. And like, People can sometimes just be like, oh, you know, all that kind of like hocus pocus or that was a long time ago or whatever. But I'm doing a, um, uh, it'll actually be available on my Facebook videos because uh, later today I'll be doing a reading about the, um, about uh, witch burnings and how they tie into. (laughs) How synchronicity is that? As well. Yeah, it's really synchronicity. You know, there was. It, it's predicted that there was like um, uh, one, but anywhere between 100,000 and 9 million people killed in Europe during the 16th and 17th century for witchcraft. And it's not necessarily like a witchcraft, whether you believe in magic or whatever. These people were practicing herbal medicine. They were just the common people practicing with herbs, right? And then the church came in and like, not to mention the patriarchy. So that's when like a lot of the patriarchy actually started that we're still a part of as well. And then all of these things then spread from that. Then you got peasants needing to pay rent for land rather than having um, having common lands. They there were, there were fences put up to protect each like to protect the land and things like that. Before that, we have had no fences. Then like uh, there were the price of food started to go up because there was a monopoly on growing food and agriculture became more prominent. And then like they're all things that we're still we still experience today you know so i think that it's not as subtle as people think the effect that that had on us and i think that like part of the herbal revolution is like whenever we use plants whenever we like whenever we bend down and we pick the plants and we forage and we take them home and we make a medicine from them we are doing a revolutionary act and we are we are basically um we are honoring our ancestors that died practicing these things that that were actually in line of healing, trying to heal and help people. Imagine, mm. imagine being burnt for that. Imagine being hunted for that. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely ludicrous. So I feel like it's a revolutionary act. Like every time that I do that, I'm reminded that this knowledge wasn't lost. Mm. it's been it's been fought for to keep going you know like it's been yeah people have fought for it people have died for it and they've just kept staying strong to be able to work with this 
yeah yes. i think that's very important to remember like that we're honored and privileged in a sense to still be able to do this and we and we have to keep remembering that i think when we work with it yeah we still with plants you know i think we still experience backlash sometimes we still experience like oh you know uh herbalism doesn't work or that's really woo woo or like uh you know people just not respecting the plants or the fact that like you know basically when we're studying naturopathy or herbal medicine we're competing with a medical industry mm. and it's 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 made to to you know um be very medical so that it can be taken more seriously because otherwise people won't take it seriously and you know a lot of intuitive medicine has been lost and look i'm all for phytochemistry i'm all for academic learning but we need a herbal revolution in terms of people trusting their own intuition with plants again. Mm, mm. And maybe not knowing on an intellectual level, the exact constituents and exactly how it's going to fit with this organ and this blood, you know, the, the lymphatic system to just like, ah, oh, this is really working with me on a level that's not necessarily physical right now as well. That element. Yeah. Yeah. People kind of feeling into it, you know, mm. and just kind of like, you know, having a dialogue with nature mm. as as nature and then you know that dialogue actually like speaking to them maybe not in words but you know still trying to maintain that dialogue no matter like you know how much we might be learning on an academic level or not it's just like we need to kind of like rekindle that own tr that trust in ourselves and the trust yeah. that nature is saying something to us like a lot of the time when we were all younger like most kids would play in nature and have a dialogue with it. You know, yeah. it'd speak to them. They'd say, oh, you know, this tree said that, or I can feel this. And I feel like we're just taught to really suppress that. And I don't think that that's just a childlike game. I think that that's our like ancestral wisdom, like speaking through us. Mm, definitely. I feel, I feel that it is. And I think like, you know, I was going to say, like, who are your... So I feel that every herbalist is a revolutionary, actually. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're sticking up for that and you're a herbalist and, you, yeah, you're maybe... You're standing up and saying, well, yeah, maybe this will sound woo-woo to some people. But, yeah, who, who are the herbalists that inspire you? Um, the herbal revolutionaries. The yeah. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, first of all, who first inspired me. Um, when I was about, I would have been about 14 or 15, I think I might have been 15 years old, and my mom got me a book for Christmas called Herbal Rituals. And ever, like, it is falling apart now. I needed to get actually a new copy because now it's, it's uh, been reprinted. Um, it's by Judith Berger, and it's falling apart, and it lives beside my bed always. And I constantly reread it, and it, um, it put into words when I was younger how I felt about the natural landscape and nothing before that was able to do that for me. I didn't have the words at that age to describe how I felt about it and she did. And then by describing that, that kind of really anchored me into this kind of like herbal reality that I wanted to be a part of. And one of the things that I love about Judith Berger is that she's a herbalist, but she's she describes herself, she says she's not a gardener, actually. She, and even though there's lots of kind of like foraging and like talking with plants in it and things like that. And I really love that as well, because it like just shows that like she's human 
she's not a you don't have to be uh you know dedicate your whole life to gardening to have a relationship with these plants in such a poetic way so she's definitely one of my all-time favorite herbal heroes who else would be a revolutionary for me um jim mcdonald is an absolute legend he uh he puts into words he puts herbalism into words that like everyone can understand and everyone can utilize which i think is really important because i think that i think a lot of herbalists um have probably done a lot of study and are quite you know um proud of that knowledge but sometimes i think that some ego can come into it just like any other field and it can be they can make it very inaccessible for people sometimes and that's not a part of the herbal revolution for me accessibility to learning is a huge part of the herbal revolution yeah cool i like that i'm just muting my yeah. audio because i think there's a pump going on so i'm just like <laughs> yeah no worries yeah. yeah, and I guess can you um, hear it? One of, no, I can't. Okay, that's good. All right, we'll keep going. It's fine. And I guess maybe one of the other ones. Like, I'm trying to like even like look at my bookshelf. Okay, I'll, mm. maybe I'll make two more. <laughs> um, uh, one of them is uh, I think I'll say his name right, Rico Check, and he is an American herbalist that runs uh, strictly medicinal seeds, and he writes some really accessible, lovely books on herbalism and on herbal gardening. And so, and I, so I really respect that, like a lot of people working towards herbal gardening. Mm -hmm. And then I think that, I think that the last one that I'll mention, even though there's so, so many, is um, I love Sager Popham's work as well. Sager Popham uh, from the School of Evolutionary Herbalism. He's doing something that no one else is really doing, bringing lots of different kind of fields of traditional Western herbalism together and advocating for that, but also advocating for the alchemy and the um, the meaning behind things. And so, you know, and he's super intelligent. He studied um, a lot of constituent chemistry and things like that, but he always brings it back to like, a soul and spirit level two. And so I really respect people that can constantly do that. And I'll say one more actually, because yes, then that makes good. me think about my all-time favorite herbal teacher um, that I've been following for a really long time. Her name's Lisa Ganora, and she runs, uh, she runs, I don't know if she runs the whole school, I think she might, um, but she definitely lectures at the clinical school of um, herbalism in Boulder, Colorado. And she, teaches phytochemistry but she also teaches phytochemistry in a way that links phytochemistry with like more kind of esoteric and and kind of vitalist views about herbalism so i love people that back up science with folklore and actually like notice that they're both saying the same thing they're just approaching mm. it differently Mm, tying it all together yeah that's that's great i hope you can maybe you can write these down um and i can post them in the, the, yeah, sure. the description for this podcast because that'd be great for people to be able to follow that i'm hearing like this the strength in tying things together you know sage apothem like calling in different traditional medicines and then also tying in folklore and science and i think when we do that we become everything becomes stronger and that's one of the strengths that i think that Western medicine and pharmaceutical companies have is they're big and they're strong and lots of people work. They're, they're really good at organizing basically. 
Mm -hmm. They're really good at getting people together and organized in structures so that they can, or their, their product can be delivered and their method can be delivered. And it's the, it's the majority. And one of the things about herbalists, I feel, is that we'd have always been individual people who have very, maybe very strong individuals who have quite a strong vision coming through or quite a strong connection and maybe even like channeling things. But we're not necessarily unified, especially the grassroots, mm. especially in Australia. Mm. Yeah, in Australia, it's quite hard. Mm. And we will say that also like, you know, no wonder those companies are good at organization. They've got the money to pay people to organize, mm. you know, so I, th I think it also comes down to like, you know, finances, like, you know, right, like, like capitalism favors companies that do have more capital, you know, mm. and so if if you're a small business, it's actually quite hard to, you know, get to, to, to get to that next step. That's why a lot of people that like will have, you know, two businesses will have five businesses. The people that have one house may have three houses. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's easy to make money if you have money kind of thing. And I think that like, it's easy for people to organize on that level because they can actually, you know, um, pay people to organize for them, which is easier. But with the grassroots thing, I think that a lot of us don't actually value that way of living sometimes either. We want to forage our herbs. We want things to be slower. We want things to be more connected. We don't want to go into huge production. Like I don't want to go into huge production. Like it'll just, it'll rip the soul out of things for me. And the most important thing to me on this earth is the time that I have on it. Mm. So I want to spend it doing things that I love you know, but what you're saying about herbalists being more unified, I think in Australia, that'd be very, very beautiful. Unfortunately, Australia is quite sparse. Our population isn't that big as well. So sometimes it's hard to connect. And sometimes the reasons why people have got into herbalism is because they like plants more than they like people. Yes. <laughs> I really resonate with that. That's, that's actually, it's like, we don't really want to be, we don't want to be organized. There's, there's beauty in the like, not really knowing what you're going to create next. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, sometimes you don't want to be around people. You want to be about around plants. Like they constantly like, accept you for who you are and you don't have to explain anything to them really um i just feel like i've always felt like that whenever i like walk in nature or spend time with the plants i always feel like they just wrap their arms around me and hold me no matter what is happening in the world mm, beautiful yeah that's a powerful feeling and knowing to have like you're so empowered if you can just go out into a forest and feel held and and not <laughs> And that's something that I feel maybe not a lot of people have, you know, is this sense of belonging. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But in saying that, going back like a couple of steps, I guess I'm not a very organised person. I'm also like, I also love to just go and be out in the plants and everything. But I do feel a really strong calling to somehow try, and I think this podcast is one of those efforts, is to somehow... I don't know, like not bring us together, but bring voices to those people who are probably just going to go off and do what they're going to do anyway. Um, but 
I just feel the more we support one another, the better. And I remember a few years ago, I wanted to start my business, Lily of the Herbs. And I was doing a business course and they're like, who are your competitors in the area? And I was like, yeah, oh, it's so bad, isn't it? Yeah, it's so bad. And I was like, oh, permapixie, but like, she's not really competitive, but still we met up and had this beautiful discussion and we got really excited and you were like, no, I'm so happy that you're practicing herbalism. We need more people doing this. And like, we talked about different areas that you weren't covering that I might be able to cover. And I felt, I just yeah, felt inspired. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's a different way of doing it. So yeah, I'm interested. I it, hmm, you go. I guess it's an, an old thing though. Like what, what I have to like, what we have to remember, like I've seen a lot of permaculture politics and things like this and like, yeah, we are in like a capitalist system. Yes, I do have a small business. And yes, I would like to, you know, I want to make a livelihood for myself. I want to be comfortable. I want to like make a living doing what I love doing. But I also have to remember that the things that I'm advocating for, like permaculture and herbalism, they're not mine. I don't own them, you know? And so it's like, well, how can like herbalists work like an ecosystem so everyone's fulfilling a different niche but the ecosystem is actually flourishing you don't want to be like a lone tree that you have no one to feed off nothing else to feed off like that's no that's not a kind of life that i would like to live i want to be constantly inspired of the you know the nutrients of others mm. yeah beautiful yeah so it's, reframing everything is very important Mm, so maybe it's like herbalists are in a sense, they're not going to grow in like straight um, monoculture lines and be really well organized ever. I don't think that's, and they're not going to get so big. The herbalist grassroots herbalist organization is never going to get so big that it's like a, a massive, like acres and acres of wheat field growing. But like, just, I'm just visualizing this beautiful vision right now and setting this intention of this ecosystem yeah of herbalists growing and shining in and remembering that we yeah we we are revolutionaries in a way and this is this is still a still a herbal revolution happening every single day and the more people that can join that and flourish the better i feel mm. Mm. yeah and it, that just reminds me as well of like if you're saying like you know we're not like a monoculture we're like you know like a forest system kind of thing you can still grow enough food or medicine in a forest to feed just as many people, if mm. not more, monoculture. The the problem isn't an ecological one. The problem is an economical one. The problem that we have with forests, gardens competing against monocultures is that the harvest is uh, too expensive for, col for um, harvesting the products from a food forest kind of system it becomes too expensive because it's too labor intensive whereas with a monoculture you can just get a machine and do it so it's not about whether you know whether we can you know uh, fertilize or like spread our kind of like seeds and our fruits and things like that you know i think that it's usually an economical issue more so than an environmental kind of issue and i think that's what a lot of people what a lot of herbalists kind of face anyway like i was saying like a lot of them are really kind of quite organized but the thing is like to have like a small business and do things yourself it's a lot of work mm. and it can be really tiring you can't do everything yourself a lot of the time which is 
you know, why you need kind of like a forest system of people to rely upon to kind of like help, which is why it's great that, you know, you're doing like a podcast, you know, another, another herbalist can do, you know, something else like a magazine, another herbalist could do, you know, their kind of products or many herbalists can do products. Like we can just, we can find like niches and ways that we can actually kind of like work together to support each other. So we don't feel kind of like we're drained you know? mm, definitely. I really, really like that. And maybe, but I also think like in terms of an, an economic one, yeah, finding ways that we're not all drained, but then how to support one another ep- economically. You were going back about what changes you'd like to see in this time of Corona or I said the Corona word. Um, this change, <laughs> one of them was like rest more, come at a different pace, connect, like understand where your medicine grows maybe and i think another one that i'd really like to see is i think that like organic food people complain about how much it costs but mm. it's actually how much it costs and often those farmers aren't yeah. even getting they're even struggling to make a living from it they're just doing it for the love of growing food and getting that out there but i think yeah, I would love farming to- is hard fucking hard yeah so i'd love to see like medicine and health become a massive priority for people and like that they would spend how much it costs to buy one of your medicines or to have a consultation with you that that was like the top kind of goal instead of maybe buying assets or things like you know like buying more things mm. you know that we we put our money into what's actually important and which is our health and supporting these grassroots things and paying for our food organic food you know imagine we restructured the way that we distributed wealth yeah yeah and I, I share the same kind of gripe as you like you know if someone complains to me about the price of a carrot I'm like do you know how long it takes to grow a carrot and do you know all of the inputs that are needed to grow that carrot like, like, and, and it's not even that much, like you're not even really spending as much as that carrot is worth for the time and energy that's put into it, you know? So yeah, that really frustrates me as well. And I would like to see, I think that, I think that what's come out of this, this time is that like, I've seen a lot of people focusing on their health. I've seen a lot of people actually like trusting in herbalism as well. I've had a lot of people buying my products and um, being really, really excited about uh, receiving them. When uh, this all first happened, every website that I knew of that um, distributed elderberry didn't have any. Everything was sold out everywhere. And that to me was actually like heartwarming. Like I hope it wasn't just like, you know, a few people buying it all up, but it was, it was heartwarming for me to see, wow, people really do trust this. That's fabulous. You know, like if people are starting to actually like see that they, they, that these medicines are actually necessary, then that, that would be a beautiful thing to come from this time. That would be such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. And if that, if that demand is there, then it can only just grow and then more people will pop up from being inspired and become herbalists. And yeah. And, and I guess I'm really excited for what, people like you come up with and how you respond and change. And, you know, I know that when this call came out, you were doing um, an immune tonic um, syrup and so many other things that were just like perfect. You know, you just respond really quickly to what's, what's out there. And yeah, I'm excited to see what we come up with. I think a while ago we were talking about having a slow medicine market, not like just slow food, but slow medicine. Yeah. I love that. And yeah, I think that's kind of like necessary. Hopefully when we can all, kind of see each other again 
it would be really amazing to to work to more towards that to to show people the amount of time that and and energy that it takes that to go into a remedy sometimes because like everyone's just so used to picking up something off the shelf but like you know most of my medicines like the the thing that I try and do is I try not to buy much of what goes in them. They're usually hand foraged or hand grown. And that's one of the main things that I advocate right now. It's a little bit harder because I've just changed gardens. And so I'm, I'm growing a, a new garden at the moment, but yeah, it, like then you realize how much energy really goes into that. Like with my oats straw tincture for like uh, anxiety and, 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 um, and nourishment and mineralization, I grow all of the oat straw and then like that takes, you know, six months. And then I have to pick at exactly the right window of time for the milky tips. And then I usually will uh, ferment that for a few days in water. And then I will add the alcohol to that and then I'll steep that and then I'll bottle that and then it'll be ready. Wow. You know, so yeah. it's such a huge kind of, but beautiful kind of process. And so I'd love to see more people advocating for slow medicine. Mm, yeah slow medicine having that advocation well it's coming and yeah hearing you you know your words will spread out now and be reached by certain people who will spread it to you know and I, and I think it's coming and I think speaking to you today has inspired me like I've been feeling I've had moments of feeling yeah not afraid as such but just feeling feeling the pressing weight of um large companies or big business or what's and the in kind of like their um what's in their interest but feeling like what's in the interest of the individual and the plants doesn't have a strong voice so hearing your voice and i feel it is actually strong and you can never we can never ever crush that and nature will i think nature will always win to be honest like it's happening yeah if well if if thousands of people were tortured and burnt and we still can kneel and forage then yeah it'll it, it won't be lost that easily and it won't be lost now that easily either mm, so good but i feel like that's a beautiful place to bring this discussion to an end you know thousands of people could burn yeah. and we could still practice and work with plants and have this conversation yes <laughs> yes so we'll be we'll be fine at this time as well we'll, we'll keep going just mm. always go back to nature yeah and remember the nature is you as well that's the thing it lives in us yeah we are nature thank you taj lots of love thank you for being in the podcast so much. Yeah. <laughs>